This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What is cracking, beer lovers? What up? I'm excited. I'm excited too. We got an interesting beer. So Clayton and I are going to be sharing this beer because it's massive. I mean, well, it's a pint. Onyx is wanting to say hi, everyone. It's a pint, and it's it's called the Spring India Pale Ale. Yeah. It's from Maine Beer Company in Freeport, Maine. And this is their explanation, like their description of the beer. Spring is our take on an American IPA tailored for the days when we start looking forward to warmer weather. We blend iconic American hops with new varietals. Hmm. Enjoy the beer fresh, but especially around the vernal equinox. (laughs) So for me, I start really wanting IPAs and people like think I'm crazy for this. Um, Specifically people that don't like IPAs. I start wanting IPAs around this time of the year. Yeah. Because it's hot and for me, IPAs are light and refreshing, or can be at least. Yeah. And the the floral, citrusy notes of the hop, um, it's just a nice thing for summer. Yeah, I actually think my favorite times to drink IPAs are spring and fall. Mm. I actually don't like drinking them when it's so hot, just because I feel like I'm always sweating. Yeah. And I like I want to consume more liquid and so I don't value them as right. much like I'm just pounding them back and then I've got to switch to water and like it's just it's it's a whole thing and so for me I like it in the spring and the fall when it's not quite as hot. Yeah, so last month um I'm going to go ahead and open this while we're talking. Yeah, so last month we went to Buffalo Brewing. Um ooh, ooh. We went to Buffalo Brewing to celebrate one of my buddy's birthdays, and they have a, a hemp seed IPA. Oh. Um, and let me tell you, it was fantastic. I believe that. And it was, it came, when it came out, it was really cold, um, and it was, it had that hemp flavor to it. Yeah. Um, but it also complemented the hops really well, too. Um, and it was just a nice, refreshing kind of beer. Yeah. Um, can I see this bottle? Mm-hmm. What's the ABV on it? Did you say seven point six? I think six point five. Six point five. Um, it was bottled. It was bottled on my birthday. <laughs> it, was, it was bottled on my birthday, March twenty third, twenty twenty one. Wow, that's so funny. At seven fifty five, um, that's so funny. Let's see, what was I doing on my birth? At 7.55 on my birthday, I was at Axel Rad drinking beer. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> That's so funny. That is funny. Um, cool. All right, Maine Beer Company. Oh, for them, it would have been, uh, it had been 9 been o'clock here. At 7.55? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, because Maine, they're, no, I'm sorry. It would have been six fifty five. 
So I wasn't, yes. I was on my way to go start drinking. Yeah. It would have been 655. Yeah. 655. Sorry. Our time. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, uh, it's got a great color. It does have a great color. Um, I, I really like, it's nice and golden. It, I don't know. It, it like had a, a massive amount of head and carbonation. Ooh, put your nose in it. Like I get some rose petals off of that. I definitely, I definitely get the rose. Wow. I like it. Cheers. Cheers. It smells really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The rose comes through on the palate, too. Yep. I definitely get what they mean by new varietals. Yeah. Um, That's really good. I really enjoy this. It's really good. It's definitely one I'll be buying again. For sure. Do you remember how much it cost? I don't. I mean, I bought it like I three, bought like it two weeks, weeks ago. ago but. All right. Well, there we go. I really enjoy it that It is a lot. really good. Uh, shout out to Maine Beer Company because as a hophead... That is a really, really good IPA. Very unique, very well balanced, and a lot of goodness. And typically when we talk about the florality of, of hops... It's not actual flowers. No, this is... it. I, yeah. There's got to be some, some rose petals or rose water it, in this adjunct. It, right? like, it genuinely tastes like my glass is wrapped in... Like flowers. Yeah, so like the first thing I get on the nose behind the hops is rose. Yeah. Right. The rose is very prevalent. And then on the palate, it's the first thing I get. Yep. It, it hits you full frontal, both from nose to nose to tongue. And, it, and so like the rose is really forward, mm-hmm. and then it develops into the like almost kind of, I don't know if this is what they use, but almost like a centennial. Um yeah, it's definitely not a centennial. No, not for you. No, it's definitely not a centennial. Oh, maybe not. But the rose is the first thing that hits me. It definitely mouth. feels more East Coast American than West Coast. And West Coast is a pretty heavy yeah, centennial kind typically. of base. This is definitely not centennial Ford. I can't figure out what kind of hops that is, though. But it's good, whatever it is. What I think it is, I think it's I think it's a conglomeration of a lot of different hops. But I think the base is Citadel. Oh, maybe that's what it is. That might be what it is. Anyways, really good job, y'all. Yep, very good. All right, let's talk about God and ethics. So, growing up, and I don't think I knew this when I was growing up, but as I look back on my growing up and life of faith, what I saw from people was faith and spirituality was some academic ascent for knowledge mm-hmm. 
that was void of ethic other than I'm not going to do the big sins. Mm. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. Not going to have sex before marriage. And I'm not going to chew, and I'm not going to run with girls who do. Like, if you did all those things, and you went to church on Sunday, you checked your box as being a good Christian. Here's the problem with that. And I'm not saying it never happened. I don't remember hearing any sermons commissioning me to care for the widow. Mm. I don't remember any sermons commissioning me to care for the poor, to care for the immigrant, to take care of the vulnerable. I don't remember many sermons commissioning me to kindness. Yeah. I remember a whole lot of sermons telling me that I was a terrible person tainted by sin and needed to rid my life of sin. So justice has been largely left out of evangelicalism, Mm -hmm. um, which is a problem. It is. It's a huge problem because that seemed to be a big thing for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, what I now make up about that is that for most of the people that I was around as a Christian growing up, their theology about God had little to no impact on their ethic of how they treated people. Yeah. Mm. You say how they thought about God had little to no impact on how they treated people. Mm-hmm. Um, I might disagree. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was headed there. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I would say that it did but it gave them a big head and how they treated people. Yes. I'm better than you because I don't do those things. Yeah. So that may be a piece of it. That's not exactly where I was going, but what I was going to say is it appears that what they make up about God is disconnected from their ethic. But actually here's what I think it really tells. I don't think your theology and your ethic can be disconnected. Oh, they absolutely cannot be. I think that your ethic just tells a whole lot about what you actually think about God. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to think about a way to say this in a way that's not... Well, here. Here's a good way to do it. We're told time and time and time again throughout the New Testament, do not gossip. <laughs> I have never <laughs> met gossipers like Christians. <laughs> I have never. But you rarely hear it talked about because what I've made up about God is that God himself has a hierarchy because I have a hierarchy. And so I'm going to get rid or I'm going to put the things that I would never do at the top of the hierarchy. Those are the terrible things. Yeah. And so I can deal with these little things. I have never seen 
somebody gossip more than Southern Baptists on the Sunday morning before and after church? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's a Southern Baptist thing or if it's just an evangelical thing. Because it, it might happen, just be an evangelical. Because it happens thing. in the AG tradition too. Oh, I guess that's true. Um, I just haven't spent enough time in the AG tradition to know. It's been so, quite a bit. Yeah, but I like it, it. Just blows my mind in the way that people say things. And here, here's where it really is telling when your theology and your ethic are disconnected or seemingly disconnected. As I said earlier, I actually don't think they can be disconnected and that your ethic really tells us what you actually think about God. Yeah. We've talked about it several times on a lot of different podcasts, but like we've been in situations where people were asked to leave Mm. a church gathering or something was said to them that they did leave. Maybe. That's because you really don't believe the gospel's for everyone. Yeah. Or you do believe the gospel's for everyone, but they're only welcome here when they begin to look like you and what makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. So that means that you actually have a flawed view of grace. Yeah. And therefore love. Yeah. So each and every one of these situations, everything about our ethic is somehow tied up in how we view God and the theology that comes with it. The problem is, I don't think we realize that. Hmm. I gen- like I genuinely do not think we realize how our theology impacts our ethic. And if you have a very high view of theology, your ethic must reflect that. If you have a very low theology, your ethic trumps your theology. Hmm. So you you get what I'm saying here. One, they're always going to be connected. And so if you have high theology, your ethic is going to meet your theology. If you have low theology, then your ethic is going to trump theology. So, so I, ha- I have a low theology of grace. And so I can ask somebody to leave church yeah, because they made me uncomfortable. I see what you mean. Or I have a high theology of marriage and grace. And so my spouse is cheating on me and I can't leave. Yeah, Your ethic is always going to measure up to, to your level of theology. To your level of theology. So I'm probably going to get crucified for saying this in certain <laughs> communities. Okay. I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. I, disclaimer, those communities that would crucify you would probably just crucify you because you're drinking a beer. No, incorrect. Oh, what? Okay, I don't know what community you're talking about. So I have already experienced some pushback in this area. Okay. Um, I think that there were some other things happening when this happened. Okay. Um, but me being Christian, me being on staff at a church, and also being a social work student, I fully believe that and believe what Paul said about do everything you do for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I think about social work and I think about social working, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I try to think about it from the viewpoint of Jesus. Mm. 
Um, and because whenever I look at Jesus, I see the National Association's uh, Code of Ethics, the NASW, National Association of Social Workers, Code of Ethics, um, in a way, right, like loosely. And when I, when I look at that, when I took my ethics class, I could not stop thinking about how Jesus cared about equity, social justice, service, right? Um, and and all the other things that come, I'm not going to list. Yeah, yeah. But like all the things that come with the core values of social work. Yeah. And so whenever I saw that connection, I started talking about it. Mm. And, and I got a lot of pushback from that man. Mm. Because like, and one thing is like equity of religion in social work. Mm-hmm. And whenever I started trying to make that connection, um, there were uh, there was a group of people mm-hmm. that were like, mm, maybe you shouldn't be talking about that. I'm like, mm, but that's my perspective. Yeah, <laughs> right. And um, <clears throat> so, with that being said, that is just a real life example of what you were talking about. Well, I've got one too. You were there for this, actually. I think. I was at a church and I was preaching. I did uh, uh, two weeks on justice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And in one of the sermons, I used a text that commissioned us to care for the widow and the orphan mm-hmm. and the vulnerable, marginalized people. I evaluated the word mishpat, which is justice in Hebrew, and, uh, and even tzedakah, which is righteousness, and then that kind of transliterates over into diakasune in Greek and it's the whole, like the, run the whole gambit of justice and righteousness and being in right relationship with people. Through the, the narrative of Old and New Testament. Yep. And, yeah. and I, I used the example <clears throat> that Jeez. there was injustice in the world and that I could prove it because it was unjust that minimum wage was 725 or 750. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm going to grab a napkin. Here's here's why it's unjust. If you work full-time at 40 hours a week, which is full-time for America, at 725 an hour, 52 weeks a year, do you know how much money you make before taxes? How much? Fifteen thousand eighty dollars. Yeah, you make that right. you make just enough money that you fall into the lowest mm-hmm. federal income tax bracket. So they get their share. You have no health care. Yep. And you haven't done anything yet. Nope. So let's do the math here. Uh, <clears throat> so while you're doing the math, the minimum wage was set in the, what was it, 1960s? Um, I've learned this in a policy class. Um, the minimum wage was set in like the 1960s for the minimum wage, which was 725 And it has not moved. It has not moved, even with inflation. Minimum wage has not moved, at least in Texas. After taxes, and this assumes you don't live in a state where you have state income taxes. Yeah, 
Do you know how much money you bring home? I, I, it's very little. Per month, you bring home about $1,100 a month. Yeah. Who can live on that? Very few people. I mean, after groceries and rent or mortgage. Health insurance. Health insurance, car insurance, um, phone bills, whatever. Um, now, granted, you don't have to have a car. You Depending don't, on where you live, some places you have to have a car. Like in this area, you need one. Well, yeah, fair. You you don't have to have a cell phone. You again, can live without a cell phone. You can, but again, it's almost, it's like a secondary, like really close. You But, but you could. almost need one. You could live without one. Yeah. I don't know a single place that you could rent and get groceries. Just those two things and pay your light bill on $1,100 a month. I use that example in a church. I was met by the chair of the board because he had problems with it. Our theology is disconnected from our ethic in many ways. Another example, same sermon series, different sermon, still talking about justice. My charge to the church, you can no longer tell people that abortion is wrong and that adoption's the answer if you refuse to adopt kids. In 2017, there were 400,000 kids approximately in the foster care system. Yeah. In 2017, there were 350,000 evangelical churches, not Christians, not Christian households, churches. Yeah. If one family from every church would have adopted one kid out of the foster system, we could have virtually wiped it out. Yeah. But our theology and ethic seem disconnected not because they're actually disconnected but because most people have a very low theology well and and another thing too is you like evangelicals we as evangelicals i will lump myself in there because i've been guilty of this as well like to pick and choose Mm -hmm. right in that same in that same church you did a series on um sex trafficking and very, it was in the it was in the same series. Oh, okay, yeah, it was in the same series. Very few people had anything to say about that because it fit their narrative. It fit their framework. Well, there were people that had things to say about it, and they actually left. Really? Yep. It didn't fit their narrative. I didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Even like sexual exploitation, they had things to say about. Yep. The, the, what I heard was that's not what I come to church for. Then what are you coming to church for? To hear some like prosperity gospel? I'm sorry. That's not what Jesus did. Yeah. The, the seeming disconnect between ethic and theology is extremely problematic. And the problem is, is because we don't actually value theology. Hmm. We value theology until it makes us uncomfortable. 
And so we're going to spend the next five weeks working some of these things out. I think, I mean, because there are things here, there are conversations here about God and violence. There are conversations here about God and money. There are conversations here about God and sex. There are conversations here about every part of our earth. There are conversations here about God and food. Mm. I mean, here's the crazy thing. I got basically the equivalent of being booed off stage for a pastor. But yet, every other pastor in America can, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, brag about his gluttony and get praised. God and ethics is a huge conversation that needs to be had because it's a huge area that needs to be fixed.